Heavenly Father, thank you for today and all of its ups and downs, in and outs, Father. And you created this day, and you ask us to always enter it with thanksgiving and praise and to rejoice in it. Because it's a unique thing that will not come again. No day is the same. Father, I pray right now for each listener who's here, Father, that you would gift them with your presence, that they would feel your holiness and your purity and your undying love for them, that they would be able to draw near and take in your word and learn your voice so that they can come to you when they, they you call them. Father, I just pray that you would open your word to us, that you would allow us to see truth and not speak anything wrong. Father, take those words away from us that would um, pull away from you or dishonor you. I just thank you for who you are, and I pray you'd bless this time and this episode that people would learn from you about things that can take into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. From what I understand, this is a very popular verse amongst um, Christians. And I'm going to start off in Jeremiah 33, 3, but we're going to read through a good section of the chapter, but emphasis on, on, on verse 3. Um, and a, in a change of pace, this week we're going with the ERV straight through. I really like the way that this is laid out i think that it simplifies concepts um that that can you could very easily i could see somebody getting stuck in the um the muck of verbiage and language and and all of that so um starting off with three judah pray for pray to me and I will answer you. I will tell you the important secrets. You have never heard these things before. Now, keeping that in mind, starting back at, starting back from the top, verse 1. While Jeremiah was still locked up in the courtyard of the guards, the message from the Lord came to him a second time. The Lord made the earth, and he keeps it safe. The Lord is his name. He says, Judah, pray to me, and I will answer you. I will tell you important secrets. You have never heard these things before. The Lord is the God of Israel. Is This is what he says about the houses in Jerusalem and about the palaces of the kings of Judah. The enemy will pull these houses down. They will build ram they will build ramps up to the top of the city walls. They will use swords and fight the people in these cities. The people in Jerusalem have done many bad things. I am angry with them. I have turned against them. So I will kill many people there. The Babylonian army will come to fight against Jerusalem. There will be many dead bodies in the house of Jerusalem. But then I will heal the people in that city. I will let them enjoy peace and safety. 
I will make good things happen to Judah and Israel again and make them strong as in the, as in the past. They sinned against me, but I will wash away that sin. They fought against me, but I will forgive them. Then Jerusalem will be a wonderful place. The people will be happy. People from other nations will praise it when they hear about the good things happening there. They will hear about the good things I am doing for Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. You people say that your country is an empty desert. There are no people or animals living there. It is now quiet in the streets of Jerusalem and in the towns of Judah. But it will be noisy there soon. There will be sounds of joy and happiness. There will be the happy sounds of a bride and groom. There will be the sounds of people bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple. They will say, praise the Lord Almighty. The Lord is good. His faithful love will last forever. They will say this because I will again do good things to Judah. It will be as it was in the beginning. This is what the Lord said. It reads to me like an invitation to trust mm-hmm. and to have to have faith in what is going on behind the scenes, so to speak. The things that that are happening that we don't necessarily see, and almost like the idea of um, it's got to get worse before it gets better, but not so much in the it has to get worse sort of way as a trust the process kind of way have faith while it is getting worse before it does get better right i like that you do point out there is a shift and we see this a lot with the psalm of king david where he's really angry and he says you know i cursed the 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 grandchildren of my enemies and then after that he starts praising god and everything there's there's for him there's a cathartic release of getting all that emotion out but Similarly, we see that God says, I have to remove the sin so that I can bless. And that was something that really comes out very strongly here. At the time that, I'm going to say Israel as opposed to Judah, but at the time the Jewish people were really far from God in their hearts. They went after other gods and they sacrificed their children to the God of Molech. Um, And this would be actually... Uh, a statue that would have open hands and they would put their babies in them and this was over fire so they were actually burning their children to get blessings from a demonic god Uh, this wasn't an imaginary god this was a a spiritual entity that they worshipped in the form of Moloch and a lot of Christians I myself hold that abortion is still the same sort of sacrifice that's going on we're doing this so that we can have a better life. And that's what w- was being done. Uh, but I'm not going to go down that. I think it says it real nicely there. The other thing that I, I think that's very important is when you said that it's an invitation. And here, again, the ERV really colors it very well. It says, Judah, pray to me and I will answer you. There's a desire for God 
to have Judah reconciled to him. The other translations say, ask me or call to me. So there is that beckoning. God is always looking to give mercy. And if we don't want the mercy, then we receive the justice. And justice will always get us in the end, if not for the work of Christ. There is no one good enough, period. Matter of fact, Jesus, and I think this, when he told, um, I think it was a rich man, he told him, why do you call me good? There's no one good but the Father. He purposely pulled himself out of that equation because the man looked at him as another man. And even said, only I and God, are God the Father are good. Then he would say, oh, man can be good as similar to the Father. So he removes that from the equation. But yet he's the triune God. So we see that goodness in that, that word good is a trait of God, not of man. The best we can be on our own is less than good. Right. Starting at 15, at that time, I will make a good branch grow from David's family. That branch will do what is good and right for the country. Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. And I, this really sticks out to me because in when we paint in broad strokes the two halves of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we tend to lose the intricacies of the whole of the Bible. And... A lot of times you hear the Old Testament referred to in a blood, guts, and gory kind of way, like a wrath of God sort of thing. And in this, like you said, God is always looking to give mercy. And he is, he is, he wants us to be reconciled with him with him and and this is a prime example of the love and mercy shining through at the same token the necessary justice um to be part of the equation as well um I think when you when you look at when you look at something like this and you look at the time frame that this was was written in comparison to the time frame in which the New Testament was written in comparison to the time frame that the church was being established it was started started to be established and everything you start to see a trail of examples of god's goodness and god's mercy um and the fact that he um he 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 longs to partner with us for us to be reconciled to him and i think it's a, it's a really beautiful illustration when when you see the whole of what's being talked about here our salvation is a gift it is not because we're good enough 
It's not because we are um, we 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 are not at all in the same uh, playing field, regardless of how many works we do to that are quote unquote good. The only good one is the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, when you see something like this, you realize we are all sinful creatures, and you realize what we're subject to outside of the gift of salvation, the gift of the of of the price being paid in full. Right. Yeah, I, I, and I was thinking about this after last week's episode, too. Um, and I'm going to say something that may uh, stir the waters a little bit. But I feel like every person's life, in essence, is a Bible. And this is why I say this. The Bible has God as a central figure. And in it, we see the fall of man, the redemption of man, and the final result for man or a purpose for man but everything is around the central figure of god we see that in the jesus crucifixion from the beginning in genesis when it's prophesied but all our lives have a beginning of where we're in sin and we need our we need to be called by god and respond to him to be freed from our sins so the story of redemption happens in a person's life now there's some people like in the Bible, Haman, who refused God's redemption. He wanted the Jews dead, and he sought to wipe them out, regardless in the book of Esther. And there are people that live their lives according to that way. So what we see the Bible as in, in, in the microcosm, we can, not microcosm, macrocosm, we can see in our lives in the microcosm. What God is actually the central figure in our lives, whether we realize it or not, what we do with his plan of salvation affects us just like we see in the bible so there is the call to mercy by god and that calls for transformation and union and communion with him or the end of of being brought to justice which is an eternal state of damnation i'm not going to mince words there is no way out of it i know there are some people that believe that everything works out in the end or that i'm good enough but none of that's held to scripture scripture speaks to those lines of thought specifically and when it speaks specifically to it you don't have a way out now you may try to rationalize and a way out of that but you get lost in it and it really can lead to yourself astray as well as people who who know you and look up to you so it's very important that we always adhere to what Scripture says. Sin has a way of affecting everybody. Right. And by that I mean uh, ripple effects, the butterfly effect, if you will. Um, you know, that that these – it's not just a matter of a one-to-one relationship, that one person does one thing wrong and they're the only person that's affected by that decision. And it's the same exact thing when a person chooses that gift of salvation. Mm-hmm. It's not just a one-to-one thing. We're not we're not called for it to be a one-to-one thing, um, like a one-to-one relationship. That we're the only ones affected by our choice. Right. Uh, 
and and so to me to me this this you know you've heard you've heard me say before listeners you've heard you've heard me say before that for somebody like me the central theme that called me at that moment of salvation and that that when things changed for me was hope um the the idea of hope beyond um the human condition and when you see this when you see the 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 line being drawn in the sand of this is what has to happen because they because mistakes were made sins were committed things happened and this is what has to happen mm-hmm. and you see that clear the that clear divide it makes the joy and the precious gift of hope stand out in such a beautiful way that you realize the mercy that's been given to you when you realize hey i'm not good enough either and and if it weren't for jesus then that would be my story too right this is going to be a little reference to pop culture when we talk about cascading sin to other people um mm-hmm. there was a movie that came out i don't know 10 12 years ago called no country for old man which i thought had a great message in it very violent but i thought it was a great message and it, it, the message that i'm talking about specifically was one man came upon money from drug dealers and he decided to take it his one action costed lots of people their lives so it wasn't just himself it was other people as well so that happens all what we see with the fall of man but we see it with the kings we see it with god's call to judah that a lot of people were sinning and this was started by a small group of people in the beginning and cascaded to the nation we see that a lot of times in different communities in america we see it in nations so sin itself is a yeast it will spread that seems to be why there's a particular order of things it illustrates the uh order of things of the necessity for um for judgment and redemption um because like you said that that sin that sin spreads and it affects the masses and mm-hmm. that needs to be dealt with because we would all let's be honest anybody listening to this you be honest about the fact that we would all just love to jump to the second half of the uh, of the section of scripture the love and the abundance and the peace and the truth and the rebuilding and all of those beautiful things but the sin has to be dealt with first yes and uh i think a picture that alludes to that is we we and i'm trying to think of the right word i just had it but we don't we take it for granted the latter portion the reward almost as if we're entitled to it if we don't go through the transformation the refining the purging of the sin it's like when you get with i'm not going to mean you you but when a person gets a gift that 
somebody spent a lot of money for, maybe a car, you know, they and they think, oh, well, I deserve this because I've done such and such, I'm a good person. You know, I scuff up the leather, I do this and that. You know, not everybody would be like this, but there'll be somebody who will take advantage of it. Or, you know, say you uh, you give somebody something and they, they, they didn't put any sweat into it. So if they lose it, they're not really invested. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. Um, get over it. it. It's just material things. But they don't understand that sometimes it's... Hmm? Yeah. So sometimes there is a lot invested in it. And, and I think appropriately so, God wants us to understand the gravity of going from one position to another position. That it's not a minor thing. It is major. And he's the one that takes us from one to the other. We out of ourselves would try to revert back to the other because it's easier. It's always easier to do what I want. I'll do whatever I want. And it's quote unquote, as long as I don't have anybody, but those people should really get over it anyway. They should be, you know, put on their big boy pants and, you know, not complain. You know, I get to do what I want. So that kind of mentality is always like a default. And you'll see it, you'll see it on talk shows, you'll see it in the news, you'll see everything, generally everywhere where it's not scripted, where it's not a controlled environment, you'll see people act out in that behavior. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you'll see it on Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it what what you're talking about lends into the idea of, you know, that sense of entitlement is part of the whole idea that that we have we have lost our sense of urgency mm-hmm. when it comes to the gospel. When, when we look back at the formation of the church in Acts, we see life and death sort of situations going on as far right. as the gospel goes. In America, I'm saying this with specific emphasis, in America, because I know this happens in other parts of the world, but here, there's, there's nobody coming door to door persecuting you for what you believe there's no there is no there there's in a in a formalized sort of way we don't have that kind of pressure against us and i'm not saying it needs to come in that form but this was this was the idea of you did this and this meant you could die for what you were saying. Mm-hmm. That somebody was coming door to door, door to door to persecute. There has to be a uh, a refining period for us to be able to fully come into real abundance in God and a right. real real um, communion and and, and relationship with with god and so you see here that you know the sin has to be has to be dealt with first and it's the fire it's the refinement process Mm. and it's the cleansing of the separation between god and man in the form of sin 
and and ultimately that would be the 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 price that that jesus would pay mm-hmm. um in in the large scale sense but this even to me speaks to an invitation of faith over autonomy um you know parents out there that are hearing me you know you give your your children boundaries for a reason you don't want to see them get hurt you give them boundaries because you love them not because you're being uh you know mean authoritarian now granted i understand that not everybody fits into the mold that i'm discuss that, that i'm illustrating but right. you understand my point that that is very much um the same exact mentality ratcheted up to the nth degree that god has for for us and that is why you see boundaries being put on us and the necessity for that um because when we come out of a place of autonomy this is what comes the 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 sin and the you know what i mean we're not we're not we are we are a flawed we are a flawed group and that will continue to show when we drive out of our own ambitions rather than what what god has for us yeah this and i like the phrase that i'm gonna because i wanted to share something that phrase that what god has for us is exactly a great segue to what i, I wanted was going to bring up we we have to go to our original destiny that's where god is taking us through our lives as people who have the ability to react to what he's doing by calling us if we respond to it he wants us to go on with our original destiny what was that that was at the garden of eden to rule to subdue the earth right so what happened at that point is at the fall of man there's a new ruler satan and the fallen angels the principalities of the air of the realm these are governments that have been set up in the supernatural and they actually affect man's kingdoms today we we tend to think compartmentalize and we don't even think of them actually being intricately involved in the government of today but michael hydra's book which i thought was great he has two versions supernatural which is a high level overview and then he gets into the details in the unseen realm but as he i read both books i got to see that god's original intent is what he wants us to be he wants us to take the roles back from the fallen angels the principalities he wants us to rule don't you know that you will judge angels paul says so we have to enter that back in but we can't do it as a human ruler where we put our own desires first we have to do it the way jesus would rule and how does jesus rule he ruled through the fruit of the spirit love gentleness patience kindness long-suffering these and the others he ruled through those he didn't have my kingdom come kind of mentality so we have to learn and sometimes it is a purging for our own hang-ups and our own whatever the phrase that escapes me now where where we're so set in our ways we refuse to change they have to go otherwise we won't be a good realtor for god plain and simple so we want to enter into that destiny and we're going to be replacing these fallen principalities so we need to get our 
ourselves in order, our house in order, so that we can, when the time comes and God calls us to it, rule accordingly. I think it's obvious that God wants to show us a great many wondrous things that outside of the realm of our comprehension. When we cry out for God to answer those things, it's not bad that we that we pray for those things, but I think we need to take a step back and and ask ourselves and ask God more importantly, what is the refinement that has to happen? What needs to be purged to to start making that transition away from our our own sense of self and and relying on on our way of thinking about things and transitioning over to God's way of thinking about things and how the Bible views things. Like you said, Jesus rules out of the fruits of the spirit. And that needs to be the 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 posture in which in which we live. And for all of us, for every single one of us that takes refinement. Yeah, yeah. And I to the listeners, if if you want a place to start looking at like you Joe had mentioned about looking and getting rid of stuff. I, the phrase that came up to me is bitterness. Now, what is bitterness? Bitterness is basically, let's say unforgiveness is a hand. Bitterness is a clenching of that hand. So the more we can examine where we're bitter to a person, to a situation, and bring forgiveness to that situation, however it looks, it looks different for different people, but true forgiveness, uh, we'll see a freedom come. And it's a freedom to follow God, to pursue him, to be who he wants us to be. The more that I've explored emotional intelligence through the lens of scripture, um, you are 100% correct. Some of these bigger, larger concepts of things that need to be cleansed from us um, stem from very rudimentary concepts. And one of which is bitterness. They sinned against me, but I will wash away that sin they fought against me, but I will forgive them. This is a very present tense vernacular that to me screams of that hope and that um, excitement for, for what is to come. You know, I will tell you um, important secrets that you've never heard these, th- it, these things before. It reads that in a very, very present tense sort of way. This is a constant, this is a here and now sort of thing because we're getting a glimpse into the very character of God. It's out of that place of understanding more about the character of God that we can start to draw where we, where we can start to conceptualize, I should say where we fit into the whole thing and on on a on a cosmic scale there are many wonderful and amazing things promised to us in the bible yes um things beyond our our wildest imagination we are called to rule um and and to be in a place of of leadership um, as God's people, 
but there's 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 steps to be made in the in the interim um learning yeah you know, uh, i used to i used to call him in uh when i was uh managing in the restaurant business um and i saw somebody doing something that they shouldn't be doing i'd come up alongside them and say okay teachable moment and i would start going into the lesson those are teachable moments those moment the, those moments where we're crying out for rebuilding and it looks like things are only getting worse that's usually because something is being taught or something is being purged and there's something to be learned from the present reality of the situation because there's things going on behind the curtain that we don't know about but we are called and we are invited to trust the father trust in the good promises that are made by the father for us the good that he has for us mhm i think unfortunately i think there's an unfortunate amount of thought process that that we're just subject to god's wrath that like mm-hmm. whatever happens in this world we are you know just su- just subject to an angry creator that that doesn't have good things for us um and 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 their the reality of the situation couldn't be any further from that um and and, and this is this is this is the promise this is this is as as clear as could be written out still to this day the character of god because this is constant that's the beauty of it that's the hope of it that's why you can have open it because this doesn't change what the bible says that's that's eternal right if this doesn't make you jump up out of your seat and get your heart pumping and and get the blood flowing in the flowing in the veins i i don't know what will because this is beauty this is the essence of beauty right here yeah yeah and now something does pop up as we draw to a close i don't want to leave unsaid and it starts off in verse 25 from the erv the lord says if my agreement with day and night does not continue and if i had not made my oh wait a minute it's actually up higher it that is a similar threat so we're going to take two on here <laughs> So there's definitely, I want to um, go to a thought before we close out for the uh, listener that they can take away. In verse 19, the message from the Lord came to Jeremiah. The Lord says, I have an agreement with day and night. I agree that they would continue forever. You cannot change that agreement. Day and night will always come at the right time. If you could change that agreement, then you could change my agreement with David and Levi. The descendants, then descendants from David would not be the kings and the family of Levi would not be priests. But I will give many descendants to my servant David and to the tribe of Levi. They will be as many as the stars in the sky and no one can count them. And they will be as many as the grains of the sand on the seashore and no one can count the grains of sand. 
So when God makes an agreement, humanity is not able to make him break that agreement. And he's agreed to call us sons of God. And now for any ladies who are listening, sons of God is a positional. It's not to do with the masculine. Even though it takes a masculine form, it means first. So when when we God made Adam first and then Eve second. But when God refers to the sons of God in this aspect of believers, he positions women as one with the men as sons of God. So therefore they're full inheritors. You know, where we have the firstborn thought, okay, we something like that. So as sons of God, it's an agreement that God has made that he doesn't violate for the sake of anyone. So we have something to hold on to. And we should, as we fully grasp for that and engage with that, decide that we are going to pursue him because we can trust him. He is trustworthy. And we want to be able to please him and to be good rulers, to be servant rulers, like the way Jesus was a servant king. So there's something to take hope in. And no matter what you're going through, it definitely is going to get better for you as a believer. Father, I thank you for um, everybody listening. Um, I thank you that you, I thank you for your word um, and, and the promise of your, your love and um, your mercy. Father, um, I thank you for the hope that you have given us, um, the invitation to be able to draw, draw closer to you um, in relationship with you and, and, and draw from the only real uh, wellspring of life. Um, I thank you that you are eternal and that your word is eternal, um, that when you make promises, um, they don't change. They're not dependent on, on our behavior. Um, I pray that, that you give, you give peace in the hearts, um, of those listening that they may, may take, take rest in what you have for them, what you have for us. Help us to remember that you are for us always. Regardless of the pl- of the present circumstance, it does not change the truth of who you are. And that is all the reason to give praise. That is that is something to jump up for joy about. I thank you, Father. Um, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.